Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dickens and Quips, the podcast that takes the yeet out of yeets. Join me, Dee Dickens, as I wander around showing you a world that isn't only populated by old dead white men. This week, I am very, very excited. I mean, I'm often very excited, but this week I'm really, really excited because I have poet Sven Steers with me. Um, I'm very excited for reasons I will go into shortly, but first, the official bio. Performer, poet, artist and bird brain. Not real. Sven Steers is a Bristol-based polymath. <laughs> He's giggling at me now. His work draws on the struggles of life. He paints pictures we can all relate to with hidden messages of hope. He was mentored by poets Dan Simpson and Joel Taylor and has gone on to share stages with Shane Koizkan. Poison. Poison. I was, yeah, okay. And Buddy Wakefield. Work alongside Disraeli and support Neil Hilborn. He is, and I've, oh, see, I said nothing was going to go wrong, and it is now. There we go, where he is. Ah, he is one of Bristol's foremost poets, it's his true, winner of multiple slams, a Bristol champion, and national slam finalist. As a spoken word poet, he has performed across the UK and internationally in an array of different events and venues, metal gigs, festivals, and the Albert Hall, many others. He's run workshops in schools and youth centres, been involved in multiple art and literary projects and mentored other poets. He started and produced the Bristol Events Art Battle, a competitive live painting competition and Ink Bomb, a distinctly punk poetry event. He has presented a documentary about poetry in the Southwest. Yes, I've seen that. Um, been played by the BBC and published in numeral journal, numerous journals and magazines. His first book is due for release in 2020. Welcome to Sven Steers. Say hi, Sven. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm so chuffed to have you, honestly. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. What the bio doesn't say is what Sven means to me personally, and this is where it's all going to get a bit, this is your life. <laughs> 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 nearly, <laughs> nearly three years ago, I think, I went to see Neil Hilborn with my mate Mark, who just happened to have a spare ticket, and I was starting a poetry module soon, and he was like, do you want to come? And I said, yes, I'd love to. I've seen Neil Hilborn on the internet. I would love to go. Sven was supporting him and he blew me away, quite simply. I had no idea about modern poetry bar videos from Button, from Button Poetry and Brave New Voices. That was about it. And he opened up that world for me. I went to see him again the next weekend with Noah and he did guest list me that time as well and he didn't even know me and I was so like so happy and I was blown away again by what a great poet and amazing guy he was he made a point of coming and saying hi and that absolutely made Noah's night um we got back in touch recently about six months ago now when he was interviewed for Winchester Fest by Sam Tate who you might remember from our first ever episode who invited me to watch because he'd noticed I liked Sven's page life is wild poetry is wild and some things are just meant to be and this is what I like about it so 
So yeah, this is one of the reasons I wanted you on because you do yeah. actually as an influence and as a door opener for me into the world of poetry. You mean the world to me. Thank you very much. I mean, it's. I think sometimes I I kind of forget the influence we have, and I'm 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 really grateful to be able to to be in a position where I I, I mean so much to to some people. Um, it's it's little stories like that. Um, a story sounds really reductive, but little occasions yeah. like that that um one of the reasons why I kept going into poetry, kept doing poetry. Yeah. Um, when I did poems, when I performed poems like Broken, um, which are about sort of chronic illnesses, you know, it's not the other poets coming up after to be like, that was really good because that was well written. Um, that meant anything. I think it means a lot, don't get wrong. But like it's But remembering things like your bed is a Faraday cage, it cannot contain you. Yeah, it's 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 all the spoonies coming up to you after being like, is that a spoonie poem? And you'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, yeah. I loved it. And that's that's it's the people that you actually touch and it means something to that that are one of the reasons we keep going and keep doing it. So that's nice to know. To have to have now having my friendship circle a, a constant reminder of that um it means something. Well, it does, because Broken was one of the ones when I came to see you that really did speak to me as a fellow Spoonie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the idea of two people who were broken and who was broken. Was it you? Was it her? Was it both of you? Was it neither? And it was that Faraday cage line that has stuck with me. I've not got it up in front of me yet. I can tell you, I just recited it. That's <laughs> really it's, cool. Because, yeah, and it is these little things that are really cool and does do remind us as poets that we're not just writing to ourselves no and, and it's important yeah and that, that's an ethos that I'd completely kind of um absorbed it's kind of a, a raison d'etre almost that sounds really pompous but um so, I, I definitely used to be a poet that used to write poetry to be seen to be clever and not even to be clever just to be yeah. seen to be clever you know, exclu- including really oblique or obfuscated kind of references and sort of um, maybe three people might be like, oh, it's really clever. That was well smart. Um, and it wouldn't mean anything to anyone. And then I I, I think I mentioned other podcasts as well. Like I, I, I heard a guy called Polar Bear, um, yeah. a Premier poet, do a piece called Jessica. And I was like, bugger me. There's nothing like amazingly intelligent um, about that, but it's still one of the best, smartest pieces of writing I've ever heard because he takes this big weighty concept of growing up and love and, and parenthood and he's sort of like linear lifeline and then reduces it into something that everyone can relate to yeah. instead of making something simple, complicated, it's the other way around. Um, Absolutely. I was reading I today, I was reading Raymond Carver's um, When You Bury Your When Your Dog Dies. Mm-hmm. And it's such a short, plain, no metaphor, no simile, no clever poetic tricks. And because so many poems about death and about feeling try so hard, they have like big metaphors about flowers, about birds not singing anymore. This thing, it just sits there mm-hmm. and is an ars poetica for those who don't know. It's like I'm chucking out stupid literary terms. It just means it's a poem about writing a poem. Um, it's an ars poetica and people didn't get it. I was looking on forums and stuff and people were going, I don't get it. Oh, I love dogs. And you're like, no, this is a poem about a man writing about the fact that he can't feel. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, maybe it occurred to me that maybe what they needed to take out of it was that they love dogs. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the, the joy of subjective interest inside of poetry, like um, 
that there are definitely very well written poems out there that can mean yeah. different things to a hundred different people. Um, uh, it, it's again inside of my own writing and other poets want to definitely do it as well. Um, you, there, there will be experiences inside of a poem that not everyone can relate to, but there should be a couple of lines that someone can relate to. Because then, yeah. even if someone, you know, halfway through the second stanza, like, don't relate to that, but that's lying back in stanza one. I'm still listening. I'm still interested. I can still appreciate what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. It's a shotgun approach. Yeah. <laughs> as, much, as much lovely, warm stuff in a piece as possible when everyone likes it. <laughs> Weirdly enough, my pieces are getting shorter and shorter. As my prose gets longer, my poetry gets shorter. It's. It's yeah, it's a bizarre thing, but I've not got to um, your nemesis's level yet. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm not my nemesis's level. Oh, yeah, okay. I understand yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, the thing is, I started off writing really short poetry and and sort of like uh, again, really clever kind of like referencey kind of stuff and yeah. Um, and my attempts at humour, bearing in mind, I'm not a funny person. Like, not 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 a winner from the start. Um, but as I, I've got the curse of slam in me, like coming up as a slam. Yeah. Poet my poems reached three minutes and um and then I'm at a point now where I feel constrained inside of three minutes I'm like I'll write a five minute poem because slams in Germany are sort of like five minutes long so I'll use it a bit more freely and now I'm considering writing a a book long poem just to see if I can do it do it I wrote a seven thousand word poem for my dissertation do it what how we'll talk (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah there were some sequences and some sections and cantos and stuff but it was basically a seven thousand word poem we will talk yeah (laughs) um connor's got it if you want to see it sorry we're we're chatting shop this is not good (laughs) okay so what you said about the podcast at the start it's not a chat it's a chat um okay so this week's what are you reading d I have been revisiting Mostly Hating Tories by Janine Booth. Um, I first saw Janine at Tollpuddle Martyrs Festival. I used to go every single year. I'm a staunch trade unionist and I've always been quite active in the movement. Um, weirdly enough, it's only since I moved to Wales, I've been too busy studying to do very much. It's bizarre. You'd think with the miners and the fact that I live in the valleys <laughs> that I would be much more involved. But no. So she was bloody marvellous. And um, so I bought her book and I've now had the joy of performing with her at a fundraiser for sex workers. And I'm hoping to get her on the show in a few weeks. So I asked her, do you fancy coming on? And with her her um, inimitable style she just said sure so she's coming on so so my poem of hers is the eponymous mostly hating Tories now I don't do rhyming poems very well very much or really current affairs stuff that isn't all about how I feel about it so this is one that I really looked to for um Inspiration, shall we say. So this is Mostly Hating Tories by Janine Booth. What shall I do on this fine day? There's so much on my list. A mix of work and rest and play, I'm sure you get the gist. And maybe I will write a rhyme, but my unwritten law is, every day I'll spend my time mostly hating Tories. 
I'll go to work, I'll, some bills I'll pay. That's if I'm feeling rash. To see her through to payment day, I'll lend my friends some cash. I'll probably make my kids some tea and read them bedtime stories of homeless piggies, one, two, three, and why they hate the Tories. I'll hate them for the bedroom tax, I'll hate them for the cuts. For living off the workers' backs, I'll hate their very guts. Look, see the depths to which they'll sink, they don't know where the floor is. That's why I'll spend today, I think, mostly hating Tories. What's that you say? That hate's not nice? Please love thine enemy. Well, yeah, I tried that once or twice. It doesn't work for me. And if you think that's not fair play, remember this, you must. The Tories, they will spend their day mostly hating us. A history of evil done will justify my hate. I still detest the Tory scum for Section 28. Nye Bevan built the NHS so he knows what the score is. And he said vermin come off best compared with bloody Tories. I'm sure I'll find time to revile that UKIP and its drivel. And I'll locate a little while to loathe the lonesome liberal. I'll maybe pause to show regret for Labour's missing glories, but save my fiercest fury yet for mostly hating Tories. For generations and here on, our class and those before us grew up to know which side we're on, the side that's not the Tories. So when I die, do this for me, inscribe and sing in chorus. Here lies Janine, her life she spent mostly hating Tories. Nice, I like that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> she has got the broadest London accent. She's moved to Lewis now. So <laughs> she's like, she's in Sussex, but she's got the broadest and she's a big girl. And she's she... going to stick out a little bit then. <laughs> and she just like belts it out. It's wonderful. If you ever do get a chance to see Janine, and I will drop her socials in the show notes, then do take it because she is a, a tour de force. No. So my poem of the week, based off that one, um, I wrote a little while ago. I think I wrote in second or third year at uni. And it was about Arlene Foster, the ex-leader of the DUP in Northern Ireland, who I found out is only one day older than me. One day. Uh, she was first, when she was first minister of Northern Ireland, because of her political shenanigans of her own doing, equal marriage and, nor and abortion are now both legal in Northern Ireland. And the dour face, sour face cow hates it. And I felt that was enough to write a poem of celebration. Yeah. So, so this is my, my short poem, Arlene. Arlene's got a face on. She says it's not the end. Will no one think of the children or the gays, heaven forfend? Arlene's got a cob on. This isn't what she planned. She says we have the blood of little babies on our hands. Arlene's fucking raging, tamping and fuming too. Collectively, we say one thing. Hey, Arlene, love, fuck you. <laughs> so I can do short poems. It seems. Nice. Yeah, that was, that was, that, I, was, I, was I was, I was like, oh, oh, it's done. Okay, cool. <laughs> Shortness achieved. Shortness achieved. It was just basically up yours, Arlene. 
the things yeah. that we've been fighting for for so many years and it is important to me to be fighting for lgbt rights and women's rights etc oh and just get things up i turn everything off and the virus protection sends me a notification goodness sake best laid plans so i'm gonna use that baby as my jingle that's the jingle we have (laughs) to say it's the bit we've all been waiting for which is the the guest interview where i ask you the the questions oh the big the big noise here we go big the big ones okay so sven we've heard a bit earlier you've talked earlier about how poetry is important for the listeners and what have you who are listening and consuming your poetry but why is poetry important to you it's a big question i've heard you ask this question i knew you were going to ask this question um and i've been thinking about it for a while um and i the answer evolves over time uh and has evolved over time um like when i started writing um i was very much the school of thought and, and not alone in it thinking that it's it poetry is very cathartic um, you, you, you write as a form of exegist to, to, to take those internal monologues and thoughts and, and, and process them more fully and bring them outside of yourself. Yeah. Um, and at some point in my journey, that's, I, that's not been the case anymore for a while. Um, I, I think it, it moved. I've, I do very little in my life for myself. And, and it's, historically, I've done very little for me. And poetry has remained a part of my life that was always just for me. So my motivations are kind of selfish in that regard, I think maybe. Um, I I have control over it. It's something that I'm good at. It's something that I continue, oh, people tell me I'm good at. I think I'm good yeah. at I'm trying to say that in the, in the least big headed way. You're all right. Yeah. I went to I'm see right. you twice. It's yeah, fine. I, yeah. I, do, I do all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's it's always been something that I you know I've I've had a talent for um, and I do because uh, well it's, it's why does a spider spin a web why does a fish swim it's just something that's kind of there and has always been yeah. there um, and there's other sort of thoughts that enter my head as well like I've always wanted to do a TED talk or be considered an expert on a subject and again that's a very selfish motivation poetry is probably the only thing in my life where someone go oh, I'll ask Sven he'll know about that I, he'll yeah. he'll give me an opinion that will be relevant and honest. Um, and so there's that. Uh, I think possibly some form of self-care is probably still in there as well. But writing for like now that I've moved into the part of my career where I'm getting a book ready and all that kind of stuff, like it's it's also a very stressful experience. And there's there's a lot of stress behind writing and and memorizing and and all that kind of stuff. And the actual sort of back scene bits. Yeah. But I've always been more of a performance poet anyway. So when it comes to the the thrill of of performing. Like that's the bit that I really, really cherish. And you, don't, you obviously don't get that bit without the hard work. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'd be great if you did, yeah. but you don't. <laughs> um, so like the whole experience of, um, you know, being on a stage, having people that um, are not subjected to your words, but have come because they value what you're saying um, and they want to talk to you and meet you and all those kind of experiences. Um, like I, I, when I supported Neil, um, I had people coming off, coming up to me afterwards and asking for signatures and to talk to me because again they wanted to hear what I had to say and that was a really new and big experience like it was yeah. a really kind of like oh shit this is what it feels like nice okay cool um, and so there's all of that there's is there are so many different reasons I can't say for certain that I have 
one big unifying flaggy rallying call as to why poetry is important to me. Um, I'm not even sure that poetry is massively important in, in a massive sort of cultural sense. There are other art forms that have progressed more than poetry has. If you think about poetry, um, it has kind of an oldie fashioned kind of air to it. And I think it's great that podcasts like yourselves and people are out there kind of trying to fight that. When I considered doing my master's, um, I was going to write on why poetry hasn't necessarily moved with the times, um, why people don't go to theatres to watch hour and, a, hour and a half long productions of Iron Man that are all in rhyming couplets. Doesn't happen, does it? I, I'd be all over that personally, I mean, but then I would think it would be it would be just me and you. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there are lots of nerds in poetry, like Dan Simpson, maybe as well. Be like oh, yeah. no, Dan oh, Simpson yeah, would be on the stage doing yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd this be playing this, this is a really strange thing as well. You know Dan Simpson, and I know Dan Simpson, but we both know him from very different places geographically and in our lives. It's I'm going to get him on at some point as well. You should. Dan's, Dan's a lovely, wonderful human being. I, yeah, he gave me a load of boxes when I moved from Worthing to Bristol. What? It's, yeah, when I was moving, I put a thing on Twitter saying I need more boxes for packing. And he said, he DM'd me and went, this is my address. Come round, get some boxes. And he had all these boxes. Nice. Did, you, did you used to live near him then? Yeah, I was a five minute walk from him. You're joking. Not at all. In London? In Worthing. Right. In West Sussex. That's crazy. Yeah. So I know, I know Dan from uni. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I am going to get him on at some point. You hear this, Dan? I'm getting you on. So next question. Half off a half threat. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what you're reading at the moment, if you are reading? So um, at the moment, what's on my nightstand isn't a book of poetry. Okay. Um, so loud. Yeah. Um, I, while I'm writing... I'm trying to sort of like I've got a pod, a poems on my Spotify that I'll listen to because I'm, I want to get into a performative kind of uh, mode oh, yeah. for writing. Um, bearing in mind, I, I write to perform, not for the page. Um, I think it's more important I listen to poetry than I read poetry. Yeah. yeah. Um, not saying, you know, I am reading this as well. I've got the book at the moment, The Black Beat Poets, which is a book of poetry inspired by um, American hip hop. So that's uh, super relevant to the way that I write yeah. and, and things like that. But actually what's on my nightstand at the moment is a, is a fantasy book by Trudy Canavan. <gasps> Which one? Um, the fourth book, the first book of the second trilogy. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, no. See, you're going to hate me because I've got all of them downstairs. Right? right, I was sitting on a shelf. They're Phil's. He brought them with him when he moved in and I've not read them yet. Oh, you need to. You need. Everybody to. keeps saying this, but I've had three years of undergrad and I'm doing a master's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to read anything. That's a fair reason to not have read something. <laughs> when I feel. I'm cooking, things are like undercooked or overcooked because I can't. I don't even have time to read the packets. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, no, Tr Trudy Canavan's brilliant. Um, I first read her the first trilogy, like probably not long after she released it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's. I mean, it's typical sort of high fantasy fare. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, maybe not even high fantasy because not everyone can do magic. There's like a select few. But it's, yeah. um, the, the universe is well constructed. There's um, some interesting questions that are asked around it. And when I finished the last book of the trilogy, I was like, oh, sadness. 
Um, and then, like, she released a completely different trilogy after that uh, called the the White Goddess trilogy, I think it was called. And yeah. I wasn't as impressed by that one. So when okay. I found out only recently that she'd um, finished the second trilogy of the first of the first saga, yeah. I was like, cool, buying that. And I've been reading that. Like, it's nice to sort of get away from all the poetry and seriousness. And, and sort of... she's still alive. I think so. Shall I well, I'm kind. I kind of. I hope I might not read her stuff till she's. I know this sounds really morbid, but I got into really got into Robin Hobb and then she died. And then I really got into Sarah Douglas and then she died. I don't know that it's me that's killing these amazing women fantasy <laughs> writers, but. I understand I what you're saying. Yeah. So I don't want to risk it. If people love her, I don't want to risk it. She's, she's, she's not dead. She's 50 years old and living in Australia. So was Sarah Douglas. I'm just saying. <laughs> but no, if you've not read any Sarah Douglas, she's brilliant as well. And Robin Hobb, obviously, is everybody's come up on. So, nice. right. So this is the question. That, right. Just for a little bit of background. Um, Sven is, I know, happen to know Sven is writing his book. Yeah. Um, I know this because we are friends. But every time he posts anything else <laughs> on Facebook, I counter it with write a poem. <laughs> um, so how's the writing going? Um, it's all right, actually. Good. No, it's, no, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, it's complex. It's really, really complicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not an easy thing. No, no. So there's, and there's lots of different factors. So um, I my housing situation isn't great. And I'm, you know, because of the current COVID state of the world, like I am indoors most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I need to, it's mostly making excuses, I feel, but I need to get into the habit of going out, going for a walk um, and mulling those thoughts over before I come home, put them on paper. Yeah. Um, my, the home that I live, I'm used to having a big sort of space. When I had my house in Bedminster, like I had a house, I could yeah. move around it freely. And now I'm living with other people again in a small flat, um, like standing up, and orating things and, and thinking things out loud. Like I said, I write to perform. So it's, there's a process behind it. Yeah, Again, yeah. it sounds really pompous. Um, oh, it's really okay. hard in my current environment. Like when I yeah. lived in the house, I had a, a six foot by four foot whiteboard and I would sort of stand there and I'd write a line down and step away from it, say it out loud, sort of feel it around in the mouth a little bit and then sort of yeah, walk yeah. away. And, and there was a whole process of, of making sure it was um, performative um, that, you know, it could be performed down good and, and flow and now I'm I can't have that process so I'm struggling with yeah. that so I did take a holiday to Canterbury recently to reconnect with um a, a, a city that I love and I spent a number of years in um and you know I did start writing again there was those free-flowing thoughts there so I know that I need to get out of my current situation to help me write more and better um but it's not like there aren't ideas there I know that I have for the book, uh, a number of poems completed already. Um, there are certain ones that I want to write replies to uh, and, uh, and second parts to. Um, and there are other poems that I have enough there that I know there's a full poem there. I just need to sit my ass down and write the fucker. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I have the opposite. As you know, I have the opposite problem. I can't stop writing. And it it does become a problem when at four in the morning you wake up and you go, right, I've got, got to write this thing. So I'm, so that, that sense of um, routine 
and that sense of um, structure is really yeah. important. And for me, I write for both. I, I write page poetry and performance poetry, but I only really write performance poetry when I know I'm going to perform. So there's, yeah. we're different there. Um, so it's, it's weird you, Sorry, it's weird you sort of um, uh, mentioned that as well, because when I, I used to be sort of uh, quite prolific when I'm writing that, and what you said about waking up at four in the morning and being like, I need to write a thing down, I yeah. fully understand. Um, and it's one of the, th I th rightly or wrongly, probably definitely wrongly, that entered into my thought process when I started uh, drinking more and more was that yeah. I was trying to sort of kill off the inspiration so I could get to fucking sleep. Um, just not good in any way, shape or form, don't be wrong, but I understand that struggle. It's a really good Mitch Hedberg joke. Um, Mitch Hedberg being, for listeners who don't know, maybe not know, uh, an amazing comedian who does like non-sequitur one-liners. And he said, um, as a comedian, my job is to think of things that are funny and then write them down. Or if I can't find a pen, convince myself they weren't funny. Oh, 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 oh that was loud. Right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, on yeah. that note, <laughs> <laughs> which poem are you going to read to us from someone else? Uh, so I'm going to read. Uh, I thought I put a lot of thought into this. So I'll tell you what I'm going to read, and I'll tell you the thought process afterwards. Um, it's called Dinosaurs in the Hood by Dana Smith. Um, and there were a couple of different choices when I thought about what I was going to read. Um, and I settled on this one. It was Buddy Wakefield was my first choice. Uh, he's a poet that I uh, really relate to. I've, I've been around a lot um, and it's, I've always been inspired by it. But um, he is, at the end of the day, an old white dude. Um, and everyone knows who he is as well. So I'm not um, helping anyone find anything new by doing that. Um, and then there was um, Henry Rollins, um, again, you know, old white dude, pretty punk. He's been around a lot of people. He writes uh, differently from sort of, you know, yeets, shall we say. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, again, he is an old white dude. So I thought I'd try and find um, a person of colour whose work I could read. And Dana Smith is exactly a small deal. A lot of people will know who he is. Yeah. Um, but I, it, th this piece of poetry I found in a book called The Break Big Poets, which I mentioned earlier, and is a book of poetry inspired by, by hip-hop or writers that are influenced by hip-hop. So I thought I'd read that. Lovely. Off you go. Shall I read it now as opposed to talking about it? <laughs> yes. Let's hear it. All right. Um, Dinosaurs in the Hood. Let's make a movie called Dinosaurs in the Hood. Jurassic Park meets Friday meets The Pursuit of Happiness. There should be a scene where a little black boy is playing with a toy dinosaur on the bus and then looks out the window and sees the T-Rex. Because there has to be a T-Rex. It's a dinosaur movie. Duh. Don't let Tarantino direct this. In this version, the boy plays with a gun. The metaphor, black boys, toys um, with their own lives, the foreshadow to his end, the spitting image of his father. Fuck that. The kid has a plastic brontosaurus or triceratops, and this is his proof of magic or of God or of Santa. I want a scene where a cop car gets pooped on by a pterodactyl, a scene where the corner store turns into a battleground. Don't let the Wayans brothers in this movie. I don't want any racist shit about Asian people or overused Latino stereotypes 
camps. This movie is about a neighborhood of royal folks, children of slaves and immigrants and addicts and exiles, saving their town from real ass dinosaurs. I don't want some cheesy yet progressive Humong sexy hot dude hero with a funny yet strong commanding black girl buddy cop film. This is not a vehicle for Will Smith or Sofia Vergara. I don't, I want grandmas on the front porch taking out raptors with guns they hid in the walls and under mattresses. I want those little spitty screamy dinosaurs. I want Cecily Tyson to make a speech, maybe two. I want Viola Davis to save the city in the last scene with a black fist afro pick through the dinosaur's long cold blood neck. But this can't be a black movie. This can't be a black movie. This can't be dismissed because of its cast or its audience. This can't be a metaphor for black people in extinction. This movie can't be about race. This movie can't be about black pain or cause black people pain. This movie can't be about a long history of having a long history with a long hurt. This movie can't be about race. Nobody can say the N-word in this movie who can't say it to my face in public. No chicken jokes in this movie. No bullets in the heroes. And no one kills the black boy. And no one kills the black boy. And no one kills the black boy. Besides, the only reason I want to make this is for the first scene anyway. The little black boy on the bus with a toy dinosaur. His eyes wide and endless. His dreams possible, pulsing and right there. I love that poem! <laughs> right? We did this poem in first year and I fell in love with it then. I'm yeah. so glad to have it brought back. It's an amazingly strong poem. Um, and you did a really good job on it. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> like, really well, good job. I was well, there and like, yeah, Viola Davis should be in fucking everything, dude. But <laughs> like, yes, 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 yes. Loved it. Fantastic. Yeah, Dana Smith is a really, really strong, strong writer, strong performer as well. Um, yeah. So I will stick a link to where you can get that collection as well in the show notes when, when I put the show up. Um, I have a feeling there's going to be quite a lot in there. What are you drinking there? You've got Cherry Diet Coke. I, Cherry Pepsi, I think, yeah. Cherry Pepsi Max. Oh, we are actually drinking the same drink. Um, so if they, if they want to like send us some money, we can endorse them as the the pop of poet's choice. <laughs> it's weird you mentioned that. When I was um, uh, performing in Germany, they they get sponsors for their events in a way that we so don't. Mad. There was there was one event that was sponsored by like a famous I can't remember the name of the brand but it was a, a, and I probably shouldn't mention them um, but it was a famous whiskey manufacturer um, wow. like an Irish one and I was like holy cow that's a big deal that's, that's huge pretty See, we need to yeah. we need to get more of that so bit I've been really looking forward to because I don't know which one you're going to do and I like all your stuff so it's all it's all good which of your poems are you going to grace us with Sven? Um, so I, I, I thought I'd live true to my promise. I promise you the next time I performed, it would be lockpicks. <laughs> um, so I'm doing lockpicks and I've not read it. Uh, I've not performed it in a very long time. So I have got a cheat sheet open. So forgive me that sin. Um, Honestly, I, I, I don't do any of mine from memory. Not even the ones I know from memory. Because <laughs> then they always end up yeah. different. That's half the fun though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there, there is that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lockpicks. Cool. Shall I start? Shall I go? Shall I do? Go, it? go. Do, do you think? Okay. All right. <clears throat> Ever since the age of ten, I've been able to pick locks. It's a weird skill to have, but I can still remember the day I learned how to break into my house in under thirty seconds. My dad came home from a computer fair of all places with a lockpick kit. In it 
was a filed down Allen key called a torque wrench and a lumpy metal stick called a bump pick. The trick is to apply torsion to the tumbler whilst raking the pins on the inside, then turn and click. Scarily easy, really. As easy as a memory if memories were easy. The good ones we had were so few and far between. Like when I was three, my first time at the beach, you and mum were play fighting in the sea and I had no idea who you were. I thought a stranger was attacking my mother. My cries formed sound castles with tear duct moats and like the ocean bleaches driftwood in reverse, you found your first place in my mind. Stormbringer, bearer of the belt buckle, giver of the something to cry about. When you headbutted me to the floor, there was no more water stored. It was shock flooding from my eyes. When you tried to choke me out, I stared you down and waited for the calm. Ten years later, and I am still waiting. I have shelved my expectations along with childhood knickknacks, breakup letters from ex-girlfriends, and the hope that we can both be better men. The rage that pumped in your fists now flows in my veins. My heart punches at the world like the street fights of a teenage you, misspent youth, all blood and dirt and grit and get up again. They can't beat it out of you. You can't beat it out of me. A fortress stands here now, proud of the day I stared down the barrel of your gun and saw a man as weak as me trying to hide the nothingness underneath. Yes, no surprise. We came up as empty as the homes we'd leave. I can count them on both our hands, just. Stacked boxes and empty rooms covered in dust and us. Fish and chips on the floor, waiting for one more removals man to take us to the new house we followed you to. I have always followed you from pillar to post, from bottle to battle. Like that time we beat the guy black and blue that bottled you in that bar fight and despite the nerve now trapped in your cheek, we smiled about it for weeks. Like it was proof this blood runs deep. Like one shared deed could raise the years I'd spent painting monsters into you. Truth is, didn't need to. You had monsters of your own tattooed in the jailbirds alive in our family tree. The ones you've tried to flee from, set your sons free from, and the ones that washed ashore with you from the Falklands War. I wish. I wish I'd done more. To see the no man's land growing between us, with fathers and sons caught in barbed wire, losing love as thick as blood, draining into trenches, drenching mud that wished to be poppy fields and olive branches. So here it is, my confession. I have, I have never been the perfect son, a bruised mess made in your image, with an extra little smudge of forgiveness. I came here to burn grudges and hold bridges. I have my own home now, and I know you can pick the locks, because you taught me how. But call me, let's say sorry, and you can have the key. Thank you for doing that. Right. I know you don't do that one very often. No. No. A lot of, a lot of complex stuff behind that one. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of complex stuff. Um, one day I'll write my own and I'll do it for you. Thank you. I'll, I, I look forward to hearing it. Cool. Oh, wow. So oh, we go from a poem that made me go, oh, to lines that make you go, ooh, I wish I'd written that. And um, from mostly hating Tories this week, the line is, 
count dead women, name the missing. One more time. It's count dead women, name the missing. Mm. And it's from a poem called Two Women Every Week. And it's about domestic violence and the fact that two women every week are, are killed by their partners. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing... I say, I'm going to get, get a link to Janine's books and put them in the show notes as well. So if you right. want to get hold of Mostly Hating Toys. But if you drop me your DM, DM me your address, I will send you a copy because that's what I do for the people who come on the podcast. I send that's, them a book. That's great. I have I have some fresh poetry to read then. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie. There, there are, I think I've got about 70 different books in my poetry, yeah. on my poetry shelf and I've not read nearly enough of them. But, you know, one more. Yeah. <laughs> But it means that one day you'll go, do you know what? Because it's only a very small book. It's a very thin book. So one day, it's more a pamphlet, really. I mean, at the moment, it's thick in my book, so. Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> right, more poems. <laughs> so now we go on to, we're nearly done. So we go on to Kleisnaweth News, which is the new poetry press that myself and Joe Thomas have set up. And this week, Joe's book is out it's we released it on the 19th and we're very very pleased personally I'm really proud of him because this is a guy who when I met him barely spoke didn't think he could claim the name poet and yeah he's got he's got a book out and it's really good it's um cake liberty and other inexplicable phenomena mm -hmm. name came, it is it came from one of those Facebook quiz things where like the first letter of your first name or what have you, it was like a band name generator. And yeah. that's what he got. And he said, it's got to be the name of the first book. So, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, but it's a brilliant look at um, autism and asexuality and the intersection between both. It's, it's stunning. And in other news, Hannah Edge, who we're releasing next, has come up with a title for her, her collection. Though I'm not telling you what it is yet. You too. <laughs> I know, I'm such a tease. It has been said. It's going to be on my grave. Like, tease. Well, it is, because I'm not having a funeral. I mean, you can't write the word tease on a gravestone, because there are people out there that... Honestly, as long as I, like, send something to my, to my husband's PayPal, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so um, we have Redbubble merch now as well. So if you're like the sort nice. of masochist who likes to do a mostly white jigsaw puzzle with just a little Kleisnaweth logo in the middle, then you can get one of them. Um, oh. We're not expecting great sales, I'll be honest. But anything we do get from that is going straight into the pay your artist budget. So it will mean that coming up, we'll be able to afford to pay artists to come up with book covers and this, that That's and the other. So, cause it's one of the main principles. Everybody well, gets paid. If you, uh, if you, if you need book covers, I know, I know a guy who does some design work on the side. <laughs> so do I, but you expect me to join a cult. Um, um, absolutely. Yes. You've got to be a member of the cult to, to have the cult services. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing, but we want to build up a fund. So, um, there's going people listening you're like what are they on about what's it what are they on about he, he does this thing where he he, he does, plays with photoshop and actually hit him up because he's really really bloody good um he's actually really good the stuff he does looks looks like spankers it's awesome um 
but he has this thing where he was playing about learning and he put join a cult and I would just do a very badly edited version of it <laughs> straight afterwards just to annoy him with um right what a poem <laughs> that and the argument over whether birds are real or not has just just takes over our internet life so but let's um, not talk so, about the birds on your podcast no I'm let's not no they're not real <laughs> um <laughs> so it is time for you to do your shameless plug um what are you good at what are you what are you taking offers of work for do you make a banging lasagna um, yeah, I do make a banging lasagna. I used to be a chef. Um, yes, I forgot that about you. Yeah. Um, so apparently, you know, having aggression and uh, right liking words make you a good chef. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I, I know a lot of poets who used to be chefs and are chefs. So, um, but yeah, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> sidetracked with, with a... <laughs> welcome to my brain. None of it makes sense. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, so I, I, I will get crucified by my publisher if I don't mention the book. Um, Absolutely. So that, Rightly be... so. It's my publisher too, so yes. Yeah, I'll get put, uh, yeah, I'll get some really, really nasty messages from, from Connor. Um, so yeah, the book is coming along nicely. Um, um, that bio needs changing that we had at the start of the, of the episode. It does say yes. this year, and it was due to be this year, but we live in strange times. We do. And there's no point in having a book out if I can't run around the country throwing it at people, like literally be like, okay. buy the thing. Yeah. Um, so it, I mean, we might release it this year. We might release it um, the end of, middle of next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, I've got a hard deadline. I won't say what it is, but it will definitely be out by the middle of next year, no matter what. Um, the book is called This Is Your Tragic Backstory. Um, and it is very much earlier when I said, you know, I'm trying to move away from poetry being some kind of exegist. Um, it very much is. Uh, um, it's me sort of going, okay, I've gone through some stuff in my life. Um, I'm out the other side of that now. This is me drawing a line and saying, this isn't, you know, the person in this book isn't the person that I am now. Um, come and find out who I am now. I'd love to have a conversation, but this goes to a testament and a tombstone of the person that I was. So that's awesome. what this is a tragic backstory is. And it, like, it sounds quite maudlin and navel-gazy and sad, but it's not. It's, it's no. supposed to be a testament of hope. The line from the, from the book itself, uh, that the, the title, um, comes from the line, um, uh, if you're waiting for a hero, this is your tragic backstory. So it, I want to implore everyone to go out and be their own hero, and then you can draw nice. a line on your own shit. Yeah, that poem, um, there's a couple of good lines in there, but I won't, I won't take it. That's, Funnily you... enough, actually, the, the book, I, one of the books I've got coming out with Whiskey and Beards as well is um, Rest and Confused Face. And it's a look at, <laughs> yeah, because I do really good Rest and Confused Face, which came from a line from a different poem I wrote and gave me the idea to write the collection, which is revisiting my past trauma through the new lens of my recent autism diagnosis. So I do get what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I totally get what you're doing. And it's not all maudlin. I'm sure well, some of it's funny. Um, if yeah. you're as dark you, as we are, anyway. Did you ever do that thing where you would write a poem um, and then you'd get on stage and you'd maybe put a funny line in uh, throughout, like you got a three minute piece, you put a funny line over here um, and then like you'll say that line Man, no one will really laugh. You might get a few snickers and you'll be like, all right, okay, I'll move on. And then like one stanza later, you'll say a line that you didn't mean to be funny. And then people are laughing and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, that's, that's a thing. That's weird. 
<laughs> what the first time I did horse walks into a bar and the barman says why the long face and the horse says PTSD and everybody cracked up <laughs> I was like oh I'm on something here yeah. <laughs> right we are running getting towards the end so thank you for listening I have been Dee Dickens, and as ever, you have been marvellous. You can get in touch with the show on dickensandquips at gmail.com or on Twitter and Insta at dickensandquips. I'm on The Ponty Poet, not Pontius Pilot, as I said on last week's episode. I heard that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not killing children. It's fine. Not, <laughs> not, not literally, anyway. Or D Dickens Poet, an author on Facebook. Also, we have Heisnoweth on facebook as well and twitter and instagram if you want to have a look and see what the press is doing and also follow whiskey beards on twitter and whiskey and beards on facebook so um let me know if there's anything going on in your area also if you want to come on the show hit me up don't forget to subscribe so i can get in your logos weekly the um just before I say goodbye and thank you to Sven, I'll leave you with the prompt of the week. This week it is Birds Aren't Real. Um, <laughs> you, you sausage. <laughs> if you want to pop a poem about that in an email, I'll read it out next, next week's show. It just leaves me to say thank you so much again for coming on, Sven. It's been an absolute pleasure pleasure being here thank you for having me and take care of yourselves and try and make good choices and if you can't make good choices write some good poems about them okay thank you take care bye bye